The idea of this podcast is simple, discipleship. We want to bring the gospel message about how to interact with your coworkers, your culture, your friends, everyone around you in a biblical way, which is, in essence, discipleship. What did Jesus do when he came to this earth? He took the devil's stuff. The Bible actually teaches that the world is becoming increasingly covered with the knowledge of the glory of God. That should change everything in the mind of a Christian. Instead of thinking about all the ways society is failing, we should think about all the ways society must be, as Psalm 1101 tells us, put underneath the feet of Jesus in victory. The Rebel Alliance Podcast. We would be honored if you would join us. Welcome back to the Rebel Podcast, part two of our Paul Carter, TGC, Bruxy KV breakdown. I yeah, like it. That's, a that's what I way to call it. Right. We took a week's break so that everybody could calm down because we were getting a little fired up last week. But here's part two. <laughs> we're going to jump right into you so you, guys, so you guys can listen to this as one continuous argument. Hit it, boys. Yeah, so we've been um, so we ended last uh, last episode with Eric kind of based on all of the hours of teaching that he's uh, ingested uh, for her benefit. <laughs> I think the first time I ever talked to you, Jacob, you said that Eric is good at. Uh, he went w- scuba diving in an outhouse. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And he came back out <laughs> without smelling like it. <laughs> so all I'm picturing is the Slumdog Millionaire like scene where yeah, like, exactly. yeah. thanks for that one. Yeah, what so what I found for- down here, guys. You're welcome. <laughs> I found yeah. one nugget of. Uh, <laughs> yeah, well, that's the that's the thing. What he found is is what you would expect to find in an outhouse. So, um, so, uh, so he you kind of gave us a breakdown of what Bruxy teaches in terms of his uh, gospel teaching and his right. theories of the atonement, and uh, and essentially the picture you you painted was a a uh, God who does not have wrath to be satisfied on the cross. A he Jesus, has wrath, but it's not, but not it's to be not satisfied, satisfied at the cross, yeah, right. right? It's 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 to be left over for all those who won't come in and join God's thing. Right? There's no wrath. KV would say there's no wrath if your sin is just gone. Right. The only wrath represented on the cross was our wrath towards Jesus because we killed him, and Jesus. And this was the part that I I didn't know, and uh, so it was kind of this is why we got all fired up because I hadn't heard this aspect before that G- that Bruxy would deny that Jesus kept the law perfectly, right? As it's as it's revealed He's, in the Old Testament, right? He says Jesus fulfilled the law, so he uses he those can check words. The box. He can check he, yeah, the box. exactly. <laughs> Jesus fulfilled the law. He said he fulfilled the law, but by that he doesn't mean that he kept the law of God perfectly because he does teach that Jesus broke the law. For example, the Sabbath. Uh, he teaches that uh, that Jesus both corrected the law, contradicted the law, uh, the Sermon on the Mount. You know, you have heard it said, but I say to you, he's. I mean, if you actually go in and look at the text that that uh, Jesus is quoting, he's not contradicting it at all. Right. But KV would teach that. He in was. fact, he is. What he's doing is assuming that the Pharisees' understanding of those was actually true to those texts. Right. Okay. So. When he does say that he fulfilled the law, okay, this is, from what I can tell, this is uh, uh, what I can gather he means by that, um, is we already talked about the fact that the whole blood sacrificial system was an accommodation. The, uh, the fact that God adopted it was an accommodation. It was a pre-existing system within uh, human culture already. Right. God accommodated uh, to us in that way because we need to see blood in order to feel forgiven. And so uh, he actually quotes Romans 9.22 saying, under the law, uh, there is no, without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. He says, well, that see, that was Related what the law to. says. That's, that's under the law. That's a principle of law, not a principle of the Almighty God. So he divides the law from, oh, there's principles of law apparently yeah. and principles of God, which are different. Right. You know, mind, and so you know, Psalm one thirty two that says, uh, you know, God has elevated above all things His name and His word, right? right. Like, and I, yeah. So, but he would just say, "Well, that's the Jesus. word is Jesus. The yeah. word is only Jesus." And right. we're going to get into that clip in a second. I sorry to so, cut you off. Um, so, when he says he fulfilled the law, all I can assume that he means by that is he did what the law demanded, 
or he, no, cause he didn't even obey the law, but he, he fulfilled that sacrificial, uh, he, he was the final sacrifice is how KB right. would say it. He was the final sacrifice. So Which people we could look with, at that but... and see, okay, no. So apparently when people saw Jesus on the cross, what they're supposed to assume is, okay, no more sacrifice needed. Right. And I he don't shut, know why. And in his, his thing, he shut down religion. Right. Yeah. No, the, yeah. That's the interesting thing. thing, the thing end is, of religion. Well, if he shut down religion, what did he replace it with? Right. <laughs> yeah. Anity. Right? So, yeah. yeah. So that's, as far as I can tell, that's all that he means by that he fulfilled the law. The, that law that says there must be shedding of blood for the forgiveness of sin, which isn't a principle of God. It's a principle of the law. Jesus fulfilled that. I assume since the whole system is an accommodation, Jesus did that as an accommodation. Right. Right. But but some way in all of this, don't forget, he did absorb, take our sin into himself and die with it, it just taking it away from us. Right. Right. Yeah. So you should be hearing then, just so anybody who's not up and able to keep up trick. KV's basically teaching that Jesus had no point to come because he didn't fulfill the law, so he didn't live perfect. When he died, he didn't take our sin. He just went away, and it's our fault that he died. So the real question then becomes, what was the point of Jesus coming in KV's mind then? To satisfy our need for blood, right? To well, satisfy, is that what it is? That I mean, no that's sense. part of it for right. sure. That's part of it for sure. And and I'm sure I, cause I don't want him talk about, yeah, I don't want to put words on his mouth either, but I think... You know, we've heard him talk about Jesus like being our example, right? And so I think right. he he kind of takes yeah, on that true, very yeah. liberal view of sort of well, Jesus just came to show us a better He's a way, peace loving right? hippie, and yeah, right. right. Yeah. Well, it's true, obviously, that Jesus was an example to of us, course. but that's because he kept God's law perfectly, right? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Right? So, so I guess one of the questions that should be going through your mind as a listener right now is how on earth does Bruxy get to this? If we read the same Bible, doesn't he believe in inerrancy? Well, I'm glad you asked that, dear listener, <laughs> because we have a couple of clips um, that uh, that you, you'd think if there was this much difference between the gospel that I think the the gospel coalition has been espousing for so many years and what Bruxy is teaching, you'd think that this would have come out in an over in a podcast that's over an hour long. Well, here's here's a clip uh, where they talk a little bit about what what uh, Bruxy's view of inerrancy is. It seems as though here's a world, real world example of saying we rally around scripture is not going far enough because in scripture they could find examples of violence. And so rallying around scripture still gave them permission to go to war and to be violent against heretics, etc. And so Anabaptist said we, it's not enough to say we rally around scripture. You have to say we rally around Jesus. So we would tend to point to Jesus and say we believe in the inerrant, authoritative, infallible word of God and his name is Jesus. Yes, that, that was was the phrase that you particularly picked up on in the beginning of this discussion with with Bruxy Paul I, I mean I suppose for some people they feel like when Bruxy puts something out like that uh, and I'll repeat it I believe in the authoritative inerrant infallible word of God and his name is Jesus they're saying well are you saying that the the, the, the words of the Bible are not those things and and that will cause consternation in in certain circles so what what's your view where I mean to what extent do you agree disagree with the way Bruxy cashes this one out well, I agree with what he means uh, entirely, as we as we discovered in our conversation. But I, I, the phrase does lend to misinterpretation, meaning the first time I heard that phrase, the assumption was that he was saying that he believed in Jesus as opposed to the Bible. Now, in subsequent conversation, I discovered that's not what he means. And uh, the other thing I thought in hearing that was that he, he was speaking mystically, that he had access to Jesus apart from the Bible. So when I heard that phrase, those were the two words that came to my mind, opposed and apart. So uh, I'm glad Paul has uh, the ability to see Bruxy's motives behind his words and understand their meaning because I often find it difficult. <laughs> um, but... Uh, what do you think about that phrase, I believe in the infallible and errant word of God and his name is Jesus? Well, I don't know anybody who's a Christian who would disagree that Jesus is the is infallible, inerrant, like sinless. Uh, word became flesh. Exactly. He's the word of God. Absolutely. Who Who is disagreeing with that? And the way KV likes to paint this disagreement often is, oh, well, you know, people disagree when I say Jesus is is these things, inerrant, infallible, authoritative word of God. Well, no, no one is disagreeing with that. The reason 
that people take issue with it is because the only time he says it, and it's demonstrable throughout his teaching, the only time he says it is when he's attacking... Inerrancy. Inerrancy. Yeah, the inerrancy of <laughs> so the he, written word, specifically. The written word, yeah. Yeah, exactly. The, the scriptures. So he'll give an example of what he sees as errancy in the scripture somewhere. Yeah. He'll say inerrancy is not true, you know, and give an example and then say, oh, this is why we say Jesus is the inerrant, authoritative, uh, infallible word of God. So uh, the way he uses it in his teaching is juxtaposed against Scripture. He is actually saying uh, Scripture is not these things, right. and Jesus is, right? Well, right. I mean, there's a million a million problems with this. It's incoherent yeah. to divide the authority of Jesus from his word. It's like if you go to work and your boss gives you instructions and he writes them down, right? I'm sorry, those instructions carry all the authority of right your boss, right? right. And, and it's like somebody saying, well, I don't have to, I, I didn't sign up to follow a piece of paper. I signed up to follow a boss. Right. Well, if he wrote down that piece, you know, it, it, right. it just, it's, it's making an arbitrary distinction that isn't there. And, and like, it's, it's nonsensical because how does he know that Jesus has all authority? Well, then he's, I mean, he's through the scriptures. through the scriptures and he assumes that the scriptures that say Jesus is those things are inerrant, authoritative and, authoritative, and infallible. Yeah. But yet he has taught that the scriptures are not inerrant. Right. And he has, which means he's taught that they are errant. Right. Like there's clips. We have them. Right. Of, well, right. And that's what I was going to say is, so if, I mean, if any of these montage videos that we released last week with the first episode have gotten taken down, we'll just re- keep reposting them until we get in trouble for, well, for yeah. doing it. But, um, <laughs> but go on and watch the one on inerrancy because we're going to release one on inerrancy and one on uh, penal substitution. So you can see from his own words, what he's teaching. Uh, and, and in the one on inerrancy, I mean, he's, he's kind of mocking the word of God. He uses that uh, example when Paul's saying, Oh, I'm I'm so, you know, I thank God that I didn't baptize any of you. Oh, wait, except maybe Stephanus. And he goes through. Right. Well, and, and he uses that as an example of, of errancy. And I mean, and he accuses we, the Apostle Paul of being well, racist or something like that at yeah, another and, point. And Titus, right, yeah. right? Using a racial slur. And yeah. so he's using these things and basically demonstrating that the Bible is errant in his mind, in his mind. And, and then he, and he, and in fact, in that clip, he talks about how much fun it is pointing these yeah. things out. Right, and he he'll say um, like, and the the example in First Corinthians where Paul he says Paul just can't remember who he baptized, and he gets right. it wrong a couple times first, and then he finally corrects it. Well, if you spend honestly five seconds looking at commentaries on that text, you'll see that it th- nothing like that is actually going on. I wrote it. I wrote an art. I I refuted this argument in an article I wrote on his. He wrote an article called. Uh, uh, a series of articles called uh, about Anabaptists and the word of God. And he wrote one on inerrancy and he uses this example. And I, if you go to my, my blog, yeah. I, I refute it. And uh, it, just using existing commentaries, which show exactly what Paul was saying and why he was saying it. And there's no error there at all. Right. In the, in the seeking clarity with Bruxy Cavey uh, series, Carter agrees with him that right. there is some, some level of error there, but I'm sorry, Carter just wasn't obviously not prepared prepared at all to talk to Cavey or even handle these scriptures. Right. So, um, I'm sorry for that, but just because he agrees with Cavey doesn't mean I have to, because there's no reason to, right? right? There's no reason to go that direction. So the problem with denying, with saying, oh, well, Paul was wrong there, uh, uh, Paul was wrong in Titus 1, 12 through 13. He says the Cretans are all these terrible things. And really that that's just a racial slur. And he even gives instruction to Titus based on this racial, racial slur. slur. So then what's that say about the pastoral uh, direction that he gives to, to Titus? Yeah. Right? Like just disregard it because it's based on errors. Right. Right. And the problem here is not... The problem is, if you're going to assume that certain things in the Bible, like what it says about Jesus, or the things that you like, or whatever the case is, uh, if you're going to assume that those things are infallible, inerrant, and authoritative, those particular texts are, then what differentiates them from the ones that you don't think are? Right. 
You become the ultimate judge over scripture. Right. And and the problem here is that this is, I mean, this is what's going on worldwide in terms of just liberal Christianity, right? I mean, right. I'm sure all of us have had conversations with friends or family members or strangers who claim the name Christian, but would disagree with what the Bible says about homosexuality or disagree with what the Bible says in terms of its outdated and archaic forms of, you know, sexual restriction. And they're just picking and choosing. All you have here is, is, is a kind of slightly more educated version of the same thing, right? Yeah. So, so KV isn't, isn't the, the troll on the internet saying, well, since you eat shellfish, you, you know, you should be okay with uh, uh, throwing out the sexual rules as well. But it's a slightly more educated version of the same thing where you still get to pick and choose what you want to believe and what you don't. Essentially. Right? There's, no, there's no standard. There's just, let, let's just kind of, well, I, I think can explain his, it away with my own logic and reason. I then. think his third way uh, yeah, approach that, to yeah, sodomite marriage good point. Um, shows that very clearly. Yeah. Well, he's, he'll, he, to be fair, the way he would defend it is to say, oh, we have to look through, we have to look at all of scripture through a Christocentric lens and that's going to help us to see, you know, what, when when there's error and when there's not, but when did Jesus teach that there was error in the text? And who's right? not? And who's not but, looking through the Bible with a Christocentric no kidding. lens? We all yeah. are. We all, yeah. Right? Reformed, but we just we just happen Christians. to believe that all of the Bible is Jesus speaking. Exactly. Jesus said it's God speaking. He based entire arguments from the Old Testament on the to, tenses of of verbs. That's right. You know, as opposed it, to some pacifist hippie Jesus that wears sandals, you know, right. and would have fit in at Woodstock. Right. Where he likely th- wore sandals, but he's well, not the limp-wristed hippie that... Uh, <laughs> with flowers like he, in his hair or right. something so, like that, right? So the, the, ultimate question <laughs> comes, the, the ultimate question comes down to, if these texts are errors, right, and these texts are not, what is... What is the process by which you made that distinction? What is what is the ultimate standard from which you got the information as to as to these which ones are to be taken literally or not? I mean, this is an age old. This is centuries old. This argument. Augustine argued the same. Argued on our side of this, and he said, "How do you know the stuff you think is wrong is right? Isn't?" It, how do you know that it's not the other way around, right? Where right. Uh, everything you say is false, I say it's true. You say the stuff that's true, I say that's false. It's, now, it, how do you know who's right? And it comes down to, again, is the revelation of God a moving target? No kidding. Right? <laughs> or or does it, is it unchanging? And if the standard of God is unchanging, then there is a penal substitutionary atonement of Christ, and the scriptures are knowable, and they are without error. Right. And they're fully consistent from front to back. Absolutely. Right. right? And these guys... Are, are we just making it up as we go along? Right. Right. So we have another clip um, on inerrancy. So let me play this one and then we'll kind of um, circle back around. To that extent, would you even disagree with that use of the word inerrancy? No. I, I, no. Anabaptists just don't use the word. We're not anti-inerrantists. We just don't. It's not a terminology. He does use the word. Right. I believe in the inerrant, infallible word of God, and okay. his name is Jesus. One of right. his arguments against inerrancy is that the Bible never calls the Bible inerrant. Well, the Bible never calls Jesus inerrant either. So right. what is this the stand like what standard are we going by here? We got a double standard now because your your one of your arguments against inerrancy is is one that you're is a standard that you're willing to just throw to the side when it's convenient for you. Right. Right. And (laughs) so, I mean, what does it take for someone to be anti-inerrancy? What does anti mean? Maybe taking a portion of the Bible class to point out all of the errors in the text. Are saying that that inerrancy hinders our evangelism. Or saying that it's an an offense to Christ, which he has said. Right. Or and saying and and here's another troubling thing. KV wants to paint this and Carter has fallen for it. Okay, he's fallen for it both in his in the written debate and in this one. KV wants to say, look, all this comes down to debates about words, and the Bible says, don't be fighting about words. Well, we're not. We're fighting about the concept. Right. We're fighting about the concept of an unchanging, unerring word of God. That is the concept right. we're fighting against or about. And uh, KV doesn't just say, I don't like the word inerrant. He 
is on record saying both as a word and a concept. So KV, he's willing to say a whole lot of stuff before he was being uh, watched a little closer. Yeah. And it seems like now he's trying to backtrack on these things, but I'm sorry, the record is there. And right. you're, you know? either gonna, and you're either going to repent or keep going. Well, and that, okay, and that's my point is that we're not saying, because I'm sure if I listened to sermons uh, when I first started preaching as oh, a youth yeah. pastor back in the day, I'm sure if I listened to We all to those, say things we regret. And, yeah, yeah, the whole thing. Yeah. <laughs> and, <laughs> yeah. And so I think, you know, we're not, what we're not saying is we are condemning him for what he used to teach in the past. What we're saying is that up until very recently, he was saying all these things and he never repented, never actually. Um, uh, there's no there's no sense of ownership is, oh, I could see why that would cause confusion. Right, I could right. see why these, you know, if you really want to be open minded, these brothers have some angst about what I said. I could see even why they find it offensive considering how dear they hold penal substitutionary atonement and the inerrancy of scripture and the sanctity of marriage. I could see why they'd find it offensive. There's none of that. All, all there is essentially is a sort of, this is what I've always been teaching. Ah, why shucks. didn't you ever come to me and, and ask about it? Let me clear this up right. for you. And like, why these are you, her- why, right. why are you so attached to barking the at my tree? That's and, right. Yeah. yeah. Well, that last, that last clip that we played, it started out with, um, they're talking about the fact that they used, they defined inerrancy as being the Bible is true in all that it affirms. Everything the Bible teaches is true basically, is what they're saying, right? right? So every, there's no error in what the Bible is teaching, okay? And KV says, yeah, amen, I can affirm that. But then as soon as you actually look a little closer at his teaching, like, it sounds like he's affirming inerrancy mm-hmm. there, right? But when you look at his teaching, he clearly says, yes, what the Bible teaches is, is without error, but the Bible teaches that there are errors in the Bible. Right. So, in, in so, fact, <laughs> let's let's let, let let's let him uh, speak for himself here. I have one uh, clip that I think will will just prove that it, again. This is all in the montage, but this is yep. Bruxy Cavey's own teaching. Inerrancy is a doctrine that um, is what would be known as a derived doctrine. It's not clearly taught directly in Scripture, but it is derived from things taught in Scripture. And I understand where it comes from. So. If, 2 Timothy 3, 16 says all scripture is uh, breathed out by God, is God-breathed, inspired, and it is useful. And so that uh, the man of God, the person of God, may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. The, the, the derivation of that thinking is to say, if God is perfect, and God is the one who has breathed out scripture, then scripture must be perfect. Because God cannot lie, he cannot speak falsehood. Therefore, Scripture cannot have anything in it that is false. It, uh, it sounds logical, sounds reasonable. It treats the process of inspiration, though, as though God had not partnered with imperfect people. As though God had just breathed the book into existence. And if that was the case, we would absolutely uh, champion inerrancy as the only logical conclusion. If God opened up his mouth and breathed something out of it, and out came this book called the Bible, we would say, this is God-spoken, this is God-breathed, and this is inerrant. But Scripture being God-breathed is God-breathing, God-inspiring His Word into the church, the early church, into people who are themselves imperfect. And so God uses even the imperfection of people to teach His truth. Uh, and so we can say there may be imperfections in Scripture, not because God lies or God speaks with imperfection, but because God chose to partner with people and people aren't perfect. But that does not throw us off or intimidate us or um, or discourage us. We love to see the, the human side of Scripture that encourages us that God can work with them and he can work with us and he does. So he's he's essentially not only admitting in that clip that there are errors in the Bible, right? So he is an anti-inerrant because he's, he's not a pro inerrantist. <laughs> yes. And, and, and he alludes to what he says more explicitly in the montage, uh, what uh, Jacob had mentioned that it hinders our evangelism. Right. And he's essentially, um, he's, he's pulling all this back to God's perfection is always going to be tainted because he uses imperfect people, which 
is not only a danger when you're talking about inerrancy and, and God using uh, people under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, but that becomes a problem for everything, right? That that becomes a problem if God, God always uses imperfect people and right. if his perfect plans get hindered by our imperfection, then what does that say about God, right? This is, the, he's, he's, he's talking, like, the Bible uses uh, language to describe God's perfect plan, right? His perfect will. And if none of that can come his, about, how about perfectly, his, how about this? His perfect son, who was conceived conceived in the womb of an imperfect woman, nailed it. Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. And so, if if he's going to use this uh, argument that we taint everything perfect that God does, then it leaves no room for God's perfect attributes to be right. um, not only seen, but his perfect will to even come about. How do we know this story is even going to end the way God tells it if everything gets messed up by flawed humans? Right. It, it, it takes away a whole lot more than just explaining Paul in a different way. Well, his view uh, eats itself because he says, okay, the Bible's not inerrant. Jesus is, Right. And he's ultimately authoritative, and he is inerrant and infallible and all that stuff. Well, what what do those terms mean when you apply them to Jesus? He's obviously perfect, and he cannot err. He cannot do something wrong, right? He cannot be wrong, right? And he has ultimate authority. Well, all those things are true. And then KB, on the other hand, will say, well, look, the Bible didn't give us Jesus. Jesus gave us the Bible. Well, if Jesus is perfect and cannot err and right. is perfectly Make inerrant and authoritative and he gave us the Bible, then how is it that the Bible does not share in that nature right. of Jesus? Right. Right. And obviously Jesus can err in some way. He was he what was he doing? Trying to give us a perfect Bible and men just messed it up? Right. Or was he uh, did he inerrantly give us errors or what? Like it's, it's <laughs> yeah. self-contradictory. It's yeah. It, it's completely, uh, illogical. Right. Um, so where does all this go is part of the question, right? So if, if he's denying fundamental aspects of the gospel, if he's denying inerrancy, where does this go? And, um, I think this last clip kind of shows us um, some of the danger of the trajectory of where he's going and what he's teaching, which comes back to why we're so concerned about it. I'm not an open theist, but I, I've always said that I'm open to open theism. One of the right. things that uh, is more indigenous to Anabaptist conversation is always to ask the question, is there something we're glaringly wrong about that we should reconsider? Because they're born out of... I mean, the Protestant Reformation had the courage, Protestants had the courage to say the church has gone off the rails, it's wrong, let's get back to scripture, and 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 created something that was very different to Catholicism, but more aligned with what scripture taught. Then Anabaptists said, hold on a second, we, we need to correct Protestantism and, and, and create something very different yet again. And so in our heritage, both uh, the Protestant Reformation and the Radical Reformation, we have a willingness to say, Let's come back to scripture. And that means significant change in our theology. So be it. So when someone says, I think this is more scriptural, I'm happy to take a look at it. I'm happy to, to engage. And uh, I haven't yet been convinced by open theism, but the fact that I would say I'm open to open theism, that I'm, uh, uh, that I'm always questioning and wondering, even just that openness I know has created significant alarm. Sure. And, yes. and, and that is for some people enough to say, well, Bruxy's That's gone it. off the reservation simply by entertaining the possibility or being in yeah. fellowship with people, let's yeah. say, even who, who, who hold a different line on that. I mean, Paul, Paul where, where do you tend to draw these lines? Because uh, this may be a, as a place to wrap up, brings us to the question of, you know, when are, when are these issues primary issues which are going to stop us working together in unity with the gospel? And, and when are they secondary things? And where do you think Bruxy falls in that? And, and do the other people we associate with at some level play an important role in, in how we make those de de uh, decisions? Well, I, I do think that part of what Jesus uh, you know, says to us is that we are uh, to be more interested in who is following him than necessarily who is following us, right? So he, he does say that to his disciples that, uh, you know, when they uh, they see the, the man casting out demons and he wasn't following us. And Jesus says, well, that's not really the issue, is it? I mean, uh, it, it's, it's not about whether people are following us. It's about whether people are following Jesus. So I, I think you'd want to put that out there. But then I think you'd also 
want to recognize that the scriptures do say, uh, do not be deceived. Bad company corrupts good morals. So there's, there's just a sense in which we need to be aware that we do soak up thoughts from those we associate with. Jesus said that to his disciples too. He said, beware the, the leaven of the Pharisees. And so there's a sense in, in which we are not the independent thinkers we probably believe ourselves to be. Um, we, we, do, we do soak up the air, the intellectual air uh, in, in our ecosphere. And, and so I think we, we do need to be careful about those things. Um, but I, I'm, I'm wary of the sort of fundamentalist, you know, second degree separation thing where um, not only can we not talk uh, to people we disagree with, but we can't talk to people who talk to people we disagree. I, I, you know, I, I have a hard time with that. Um, I, I think that there's, there needs to be a great deal of seeking to understand, a great deal of conversation, and, and at times some caution. But um, yeah, I, I'm wary of, of that sort of fundamentalist second degree separation thing. I, I agree. I should also say, because Greg's name has been mentioned, Greg Boyd, is that I, I uh, would intentionally want to be influenced by him <laughs> as someone who I think is radically Jesus-centered and very kingdom-minded. And I think someone can say, well, actually, I disagree with his theory of open theism, but boy, there's so much we can learn from. I think that's one of the, the next stages for people who want to really fight for Christian unity is to say, not only will I tolerate someone as a brother and sister because I'm more mature and I don't argue as much, but to say, I'll, I'll also learn from, I'll put myself in a learning posture. I learned so much from Reformed Christians. I mean, that's I. I mostly read Reformed stuff, and I learn so much, and yet I still have my areas of disagreement. I want to be in a learning posture towards real brothers and sisters, and not just tolerate them. and And Greg would be one of those people. I think I'm. I'm happy to be influenced by. All right. I know that was a longer clip, and <laughs> maybe we could have broken that one down because there's so many things to say. Um, let's let's uh, we'll, we'll land on the big one, which is his openness to open theism. But just working our way backward there, it's just so interesting the little um, the little things that kind of go unchallenged in what he says yeah, there, right? And absolutely. Sort of, so so he he's talking about like we're more mature because we're less argumentative. Like read the book of Matthew and the culminating conflict between Jesus and the Pharisees was, would Jesus have been displaying more maturity if he wasn't willing to argue with the Pharisees? Like that just, that's entire just, epistles are nothing but an argument. There you go. Like it's just, it's, it's, you know, uh, even every, every, the book of Acts is full of Paul going in and what does it say? Arguing from the scriptures, right? Like convincing the people, right? Not the, not only just against people. It's, he sometimes did it against Peter and James. So, like the book yeah, of there Galatians, you go. Right? yeah, he I comes can, in. Is Paul, uh, who's immature? They're clearly immature. Clearly, yeah. too what a immature. mark of immaturity. Clearly not as mature is as Bruxy. Is that displaying his errancy? <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe. <laughs> so, I mean, there's there's this stuff, and then um, I I just even just the. Uh, the exegesis of um, of Jesus talking about the guys who are casting out demons it's just it's just poorly handling the scriptures here. Um, I don't think that's what Jesus was getting at there at all. Um, but this this whole idea of and and then so we'll get to open theism in a minute. But I would intentionally be influenced by Greg Boyd, and this is where the kind of inconsistency is is really nagging at me because the Gospel Coalition in the U.S. spent a whole lot of time and a whole lot of energy attacking the ministry of Greg Boyd and calling him a heretic. And now we have a guy who says I would be intentionally um, influenced by him and the Gospel Coalition Canada giving that guy the seal of approval. So, well, I, what I want to know is what does Gospel Coalition Canada stand for? Like what do they stand for? Right. What's the I gospel? Was, I, was a, I was a student in seminary when Gospel Coalition was started. And it was started with guys like Kevin DeYoung dealing with some of the stuff that, not from Bruxy Cavey, but Rob Bell. Basically, yeah. same stuff, stuff, different color, yeah. right? Yeah. And then, and then also guys like Bruce Ware dealing with the ministry of Greg Boyd. That's right. Okay. And others like him. And then now all of a sudden we get up to Canada and we've got... Paul Carter standing up for a guy who's denied inerrancy, said he wants to convert people away from penal substitutionary atonement. We've quoted him in context, is open to open theism, and Paul Carter is saying, orthodox, 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 yeah. no problem here, folks, nothing to see here, folks, those guys are overreacting, Ortho like, so, so what I want to know 
And I'm, I'm simply asking the question, what does Gospel Coalition Canada stand for? Because if they cannot defend against a clear attack on the penal substitutionary atonement of Jesus Christ and the inerrancy of Scripture and the sanctity of marriage is designed by God and now an openness to open theism, and Paul Carter basically, if you want to talk about being thrown slow pitches, was throwing a slow pitch here. And, and Paul Carter, I mean, Justin Brierley basically said... What is what is a primary issue? He essentially asked that. He didn't say right. it just like that, yeah. but what is a primary issue? Right. Paul Carter did not define um, specifically what a primary issue was right there, even though he was open up, opened it up for him within the context of open theism. Right. Within the context right. of open theism. Right. I mean, there, there's like your he's not opportunity. not even going to draw a line there. No. Not even there. I mean, I'm not saying he doesn't personally, but he certainly didn't publicly right there when given the opportunity with thousands and thousands of people tuning in, and he's using his credibility as a member of the Gospel Coalition Council Canada to substantiate his claim that Bruxy Cavey is not a heretic. Right. Well, and he says in there, well, at times there's need for uh, warning or whatever, whatever word he, at times. How about now? Right. How about this time? Yeah. Is there a need for that? How Is, about right after Bruxy says, I would be intentionally influenced well, by the guy that, like. That's the problem. I mean, Carter's going on about, you know, second degree, fundamentalist level, second degree separation. Okay, okay, fine. But we, we don't have a case here of a guy who just like, you know, uh, He's he said that he is intentionally looking to be influenced by Boyd, who is a ser- like in in my in what I've heard and read from him, mostly having to do specifically with KV, um is that he is a serial Bible twister. He believes in a God that is not the God of Scripture. He's an open theist. It's it's simply not the God of Scripture. He cannot pass the trial of the false gods in Isaiah. Uh, right. 40 through 45. He can't pass, his God cannot pass that test. Right. He's a false God. KV saying, oh yeah, I would want to intentionally be influenced by this guy who, um, I mean, he is a worse, Boyd is worse than KV. Yeah. Uh, it, at least outwardly so, right? Um, in what he's explicitly saying. Yeah. Um, he might actually be clearer than KV in what he believes. <laughs> right. At least he's willing to come out and say it. <laughs> but and, he is worse, right. I think. Yeah. Right. And so this isn't a case of, well, you're kind of friendly with that guy, so we're not going to talk to you. It's not that kind of stupid, immature separation. It's, look, this guy is not only saying he wants to be influenced by KV, he's showing, or by uh, Boyd, sorry. Cavey's not just saying he wants to be influenced by Boyd. He is, exp- he is obviously being influenced by Boyd in right. what he's teaching, and it's, it, there's nothing good that can come from that tree. Right. And, and this is, and, and even to say, you know, he, he kind of pushes back on, on, Carter was not explicit in his challenge of Boyd, but even in the um, kind of implicit challenge of Boyd, talking about bad morals, corrupt, good character, right. KV responds by saying, well, he's super Jesus-centered. Yeah. Right? And, and the point is like, well, what Jesus? And that's what all who's of this setting, comes down to. Who's setting to? the agenda here? Who's right. setting the agenda? And it's clearly Bruxy KV. Right. And, and essentially, intentionally or not, I'm not saying it's intentional. I'm not saying it's unintentional. Intentionally or not, Paul Carter, as a council member of TGC Canada, is leveraging his position on TGC Canada to launder Bruxy Cavey's heresy. Yeah, that's a. I mean, it's. It, I mean, it's, it's a bold accusation, but I. I don't know. I'm how not saying he's to, doing it intentionally. No, no, and but I, it's no, what's happening. Yeah, it is because, what's happening because I that know is. that there's people who say, "Oh, Paul, well, Paul Carter says that this is okay, so therefore it must be okay." Well, so you ba- tell me what that is. Well, the Baptists of Atlantic Canada ha- are ha- had or are having KV speak yeah, at their right. main conference, and when a f- uh, someone I know who used to be in that denomination contacted them and said, why are you having Bruxy Cavey come and speak at your uh, uh, conference? They said, well, their basic defense was, well, Paul Carter said he's fine. That's right. And, and just pastorally, and, and you, you wonder why we get so fired up about this. Both Jacob and I are pastors and in both of our congregations, we have individuals who have family members who go to Bruxy's church who are have essentially kind of poisoned the well? We've had we've had family members of of church family um, who've come with them to church here and and gotten into family arguments because right. of what I teach uh, juxtaposed to what KV teaches. And you look at that and you say, as as if this doesn't affect us. 
because now they have because we, we I've sent out I've given people Gospel Coalition um, articles before hey this will help you as you yeah. struggle through this hey you know this author oh he's a TGC author right we have um, Kevin DeYoung's books in our, our church library Gospel Coalition member so now all of a sudden this name is getting tainted because people say well they gave Bruxy Cavey the sign of approval so just like Kevin DeYoung just like Bruce Ware all these other people right. also in that list and, of names but, of people we should go read and, from and, and, and so Bruxy let's Cavey. okay so fine I have to deal with it with you have to deal with it with family members in the church and so on who are being influenced by Bruxy Cavey that's one thing how about the pastor who's trying to transform his church culture into a culture that is centered around inerrancy and penal substitutionary atonement because it's been influenced by the teachings of Bruxy Cavey? How about the seminary professor that's working in a seminary that has been influenced by Bruxy Cavey? Paul Carter has basically, what he's done is he sent these guys back about a mile from any ground that they've ever gained. Yeah. And, and I, mm-hmm. I know that that's harsh, but it, it, it may sound harsh, actually, but I think it's actually the truth because I've heard stories from people. Right. Like, this is real life. This yeah. isn't just some ethereal discussion right. about, you know, atonement theories as right. if they don't matter. This is real life. It's life. Yeah. It's, it's heaven and hell. And souls are actually in the balance right here. And ground needs to be taken for the kingdom of God and error needs to be assaulted. That's right. And I think sometimes these public figures like this can get into a conversation imagining it's a sort of ivory tower conversation that does has no ramifications in the real world and it does and that's exactly you've cited a couple examples that are very real and we all know people who have who have um uh, shared those concerns with us like this this stuff actually matters because now you have a whole world of people who've just put bruxy cavey on the aok list right and not just that but now they're because of uh, his involvement with Boyd, he has Boyd come to his church and give yeah. sermons. Oh, well, yeah. if he's, you can call him sermons, yeah, yeah. like no, he's preached at the meeting. Oh yeah, so oh, yeah, oh, oh yeah. yeah, oh absolutely. He preached right. a message called "Jesus versus Jehovah." You should go over and listen to it sometime. Oh, you know. And, anyway, um, nothing to see here, folks. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Don't, but don't get hung up on his involvement with Boyd, right? So, right. anyway, well, we're done with secondary separation. Yeah. Anyway, it's uh, it's. It's actually a serious issue. Yeah. There's actual pastoral concerns here. Yeah. And, and like this is if, where this if, is coming from. If your average Joe uh, were to just, uh, some guy from your pew were to come and just listen to this stuff, he would think 100% that Carter approves of cave. Yeah. There's, there's nothing public out there that would suggest otherwise. Well, maybe. Right. He, and, he has minor disagreements, right. granted. But, right. you know, it, it sounds to me, and it seems to me that, that um, and even it's so valid. Let, obviously. So let's say Paul Carter thought that my statement that Bruxy Cavey is a false teacher, which I made publicly on my blog. Let's say he thought that was over the top. Fine. Okay. Go ahead. Say Jacob Braum is over the top in his pronouncement, but at least say, "Hey, I got some concerns here too." Right. A really good question for Paul Carter would be, "Would you be happy?" If someone moved from your family or a loved one that you have to the GTA and went to the meeting house and became influenced by Bruxy Cavey, like, would that thrill your soul? I started right. believing what Bruxy Cavey was teaching. Right. Yeah. But, yeah. Why? I mean, if he's so orthodox, invite him to preach at your church. Yeah. Great. That's a good point. And, and I think, so... The, I guess the question is, obviously, aside from these pastoral concerns, like, what are we calling for? And I think what I would want to see, obviously, is I would I want to see the Gospel Coalition clean up the mess they've made, right? Because I don't want—we we keep using Paul Carter's name. He's the one doing this, and, and he's the one on the podcast, but he's flying under the banner of the Gospel that's Coalition. Exactly what that's exactly right. They've, and it's a mess. It's and, a disaster. I mean, he, I mean, he, so look, then, he's put, he put the hammer down, right. and he, and he but, took off like a rocket on greased rails. Thought he was <laughs> going to crash the gate doing 98, but he ran right into the overpass. But the thing is, behind his big rig, he had hogs, okay? So the ones that aren't bleeding out to death on the highway are now running around in their own muck. Can someone please clean it up? Please? Right. Someone? Right. Yeah. And that's... And that, that, that's my, that's yeah. my very vivid way of saying this is a mess. Totally. And, and I think that's the, you know, um, Gospel Coalition came up to Canada and um, in, in a lot of ways, and we were kind of talking about this when the mics weren't on. Gospel Coalition in the U.S. Um, came together with a bunch of guys who had already earned our trust as men who would defend the gospel. As you said, Bruce Ware defending against Greg Boyd's false gospel was one such 
um, example. Well, right. I think, I mean, in the States, you, you can criticize them for maybe some of their involvement with uh, SJWs. And, yeah, yeah. The and this social kind justice of, thing is... Right. I, I, you yeah. can criticize them for that, but you can't criticize the guys in the States with their dealing with penal substitutionary atonement and inerrancy and, you know, the sanctity of, of marriage. That's right. But But you get up here to Canada and you have... Carter, again, like, uh, what are you going to say? Yes, he's doing it, covering for KV's very clear, explicit, public, documented denials of these things. So the question is... And maybe is the, he's doing it sincerely. I don't the, know. Is what is going on? Is there too much Canada in Gospel Coalition Canada? Like or at least too much Trudeau. I don't know. Yeah, too much know. Trudeau. <laughs> yeah. Trudeau-pian Canada. And here's <laughs> the thing. Uh, these are the conversations that... that I think some of the guys sitting here probably would have loved to have with Paul Carter face to face. Would have loved to. Yeah, absolutely. But he's, he's done in my experience. I would have loved to have asked him these questions and received responses for them. Had I been given, well, in fact, I sent him an email with probably seven or eight questions about a week and a half ago. And I still haven't. So, I mean, these are questions that I have. I'd love to get an answer for them. I haven't got a reply. And we'd, we'd still love to have him come if he somehow manages to find this. We would gladly have him on to talk about this. Yeah, absolutely. And and this is the... Um, so so we'd be calling for Gospel Coalition to clean up the mess they've made because this this really has With become a mess. With pastoral and local church implications. Absolutely. Um, we'd, we'd be looking for, um, like, quite honestly, a, a public at least interaction. If, if you don't want to come down as strong as we have, Fine. you know, um, that's one thing, but you haven't thought about it as much as I have. No problem. Yeah, no problem. <laughs> you can be wrong. You'll get there eventually. No, but, but but some sort of some sort of recognition of the dangers of KB's teaching, because the truth is, if part of the way they clean up the mess is to come in and affirm everything that that Carter has said of Bruxy KV and affirm KV's ministry, then we got a whole new issue of problems, mm-hmm. right? But right now we're left with this sort of well, what do they think? Where are, where do they stand? And I guess in part of, part of me, this this comes down to this is one of the reasons why parachurch ministries like Gospel Coalition should not be given the kind of credit and the kind of platform that they have, right? You have guys now in local churches under a local pastor that God has placed them under who the pastor says something and their question is, well, what does the Gospel Coalition say, right? This is Have we given too much credit to these parachurch organizations that aren't under the authority of a particular local church? Yeah, I mean, parachurch organizations should be serving the interests of the local church. And again, my heart breaks for the local church pastor. This isn't my case, okay? Yep. But for the local church pastor who's in a church and he's trying to push back the tide of the denial of inerrancy, the denial of penal mm-hmm. substitutes, trying to gird up people's confidence in PSA and gird up their confidence in inerrancy and has probably leveraged Gospel Coalition material in the past for this, and now all of a sudden we have Gospel Coalition Canada, um, at least Paul Carter, without a strong word from anyone else on the coalition or the council, at least Paul Carter whitewashing uh, these these clear statements that we've we've all heard. They're here. They're on your website. We right. it's documented. This isn't. Right. This, we're not pulling this out of midair, right? Yeah. And if the accusation that those. Uh, documented quotes are actually taken out of context. I'd love to talk to somebody about uh, how so. I'd love to have a conversation with someone as to how we have slandered Bruxy Cavey, which I don't believe we have. No, slander would imply that we're lying. Yeah, we're not. And I quoted him out of context and painted him in the worst possible light, which Paul Carter said of those nefarious creatures working in the shadows, whoever it is. Yeah. So um, just to kind of wrap up this conversation, um, what what we want to say is um, this all ties back to what we talked about to, to start last week's episode, and that is the reason this matters so much, all these local church implications that we've just talked about, but at the end of the day, the gospel that Bruxy Cavey espouses is not a gospel that can save because it denies the very heart of what saves us. And, that and is who the God turning is. turning away of God's mm-hmm. wrath. And um, He has imputed. a Jesus who broke the law. Right. Need we say more? And so this matters because if this is the gospel that's allowed to run rampant, and here's the thing, there are plenty of us as Christians who struggle with, as we have friends who are gay, we have friends, you know, and how easy would it be for for many of our people to say, wait a second, there's a gospel that preaches no wrath, no inerrancy, 
and I and I'm I'm okay to accept my gay brother-in-law. I'll, I'll take as, that lo- as long as I'll oh take yeah. that gospel. As long Not as me. You, <laughs> no, you can. <laughs> I'd like to go to heaven. You can. You can accept your gay brother-in-law as long as he genuinely believes that Scripture teaches that it's okay. Right. He, yeah. So, so you look at this and you say that's why it matters because that's a gospel that people don't need to change in order to embrace. And um, and so we want the real saving gospel to be what the church is ready to faithfully defend and ready to faithfully preach as culture continues to crumble around us and people start looking for hope somewhere else and God starts calling them to something. That's what we need churches defending, not an impotent gospel without a Savior who can save. Amen. Amen. And it's a glorious gospel, and it will triumph. Amen. Can't Amen. wait. Amen. This is all part of the big story. Amen. All right, so where can we find... Uh, you, you both alluded to your blogs, so where can we find your blogs? Eric, where um, do you blog? I just have a, a free WordPress blog, onceforalldelivered.wordpress.com. And Eric Schneider is the author there. Um, and and you can th- you can send him a message and thank him for all the uh, clips and montages because he's the guy who waited through the outhouse. Um, Jacob, <laughs> where, where do you blog? I blog at trinitybiblechapel.ca. I haven't been on there uh, blogging in a while. Hey, it's summertime. It's, it's summertime. summertime, but I, I have. And... I just I want to say with all these things uh, about these nefarious creatures in the shadows misrepresenting Broxy Cavey, uh, I'm Eric's pastor, okay, and he's a delight to pastor. He has a he has a lovely wife. He has a beautiful family. He's a hard worker. He he's your ideal congregant. So I want to defend him, and I want to say he is a man of integrity, and he 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 stresses over whether he is going to represent things well. Right. And he's certainly been a delight to have on here. So thanks for all the hard work you've done, Eric. And, uh, and thanks for taking some bullets for, for everyone else. Um, usually people out ahead of the pack do. Um, so thanks for your willingness to engage. Um, that's what this podcast is all about, is equipping Christians to engage culture with a biblical worldview. And so the fact that you hear um, a, uh, a prevalent teacher like Bruxy Cavey making claims and you can think Christianly enough to see the error in them and then to inform and to uh, post and to engage, that's exactly what we're looking for. So thanks so much for your involvement. Thanks, you guys, for being here. Um, Hopefully, we'll have you on again sometime, and hopefully, we'll be able to put all this behind us because this is the thing (laughs) that changed it all. (laughs) We'll pray to that end. We'll pray to that end. You guys somehow got looped into this, eh? Yeah, yeah. Well, we thank you for that. (laughs) All right. You want to sign us off there, Pootie? Yeah, bye. I don't want to sign us off.